It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in. So I just was looking on the old internet during the break here. I have this thing called Twitter. I think I'm one of the few people who uses it. But anyway, so if you listen to this show with any regularity, you know that I'm friends with uh, Jay Onright, who now is with Fox Sports in the United States. He actually helped get our last guest, Dave Wanstead, on the show. So that, that was cool. So if you know anything about Jay, he is a uh, goofball. And he's not afraid to do things that are a little different. So I just saw some video tweeted out. He's gone to Houston. Him and Dan O'Toole have gone to Houston for the Super Bowl. So you know how people will do, well, let's get an animal to pick the Super Bowl, right? So you'll have a, a dog toy with a Falcons logo and a Patriots logo and whichever one the dog picks, you know, whatever. So I, now I just watched this, but without any sound, but it appeared... Jay had a, a jersey, one of those split jerseys. So half was Falcons, half was Patriots. Somebody placed a tarantula on each wrist. So one tarantula on each wrist, and they crawled up his arm, and whichever one got higher up was the pick for the Super Bowl. I, I kid you not, this video is on Twitter. I, 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 I should retweet it. I lost the account now. Now, we've had this guest on the show before to talk about ostrich races, but Jack Michaels, my buddy Jay Onright, taking animal races to a whole new level, tarantula races on his own body. Yeah, I don't think I'd be up for that. I don't care for... Uh, I'm not a huge spider guy, and I'm not a huge snake guy. Uh, I don't like either of those things. So that would not be okay with me. Tarantulas are the ones that are all big and hairy, right? Yeah, they're huge spiders. They're giant spiders. They're not yeah, pleasant. They're like, you know, they've, they've got some girth to them and there's hair on them. Like, they're, you know. They're, they're frightening. Like, yeah, they're, they're like Tony Mandarich spiders. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a, that's a great reference. I knew you. You know, Jack, I, I, when I brought you in, I thought for the first time, I think Jack's actually a little little surprised that he doesn't know what to say, but you, you got it together, and then you made a great NFL reference. That's a beauty. Well, I didn't know whether you were asking me to comment on the tarantulas, and I figured out, like, well, that kind of, you kind of had a dot, dot, dot at the end of your sentence, so then I, it took me a while to interpret the dot, dot, dot. Once I figured that out, and that you were done talking, then I was like, all right, well, I, I think what he's asking here is if I'd be up for that, and the answer would be an emphatic no. No, I wouldn't I, uh, do it. I'm not naturally, like, queasy or squeamish about 
most things, but I'm not a huge guy for, like, giant spiders. I don't care about, like, a daddy long legs or, you know, one of those little guys. I don't care about that, but I'm not big on tarantulas, scorpions, and you know what? I'm probably not really good with anything in the snake family either. Like, I don't care whether it's a garter snake or a python. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, now, growing up in Pennsylvania, though, certainly no, you didn't not have too scorpions. Many a lot of garter snakes. Oh, really? Not too many pythons. Okay. Oh, yeah. Garter, garter snakes are essentially, you know, the equivalent of a daddy long leg in the snake family. I mean, it, it, they're not going to hurt you, but I still don't like them. And, you know, I, yeah, I'm not a huge. Uh, not a huge snake guy. All right. Uh, well, thanks for going with that non sequitur. Hey, by the way, I don't know if you got to listen. Hey, I had Dave Wanstead on the show in the last half hour, former Super I Bowl not. champion. I was in. Uh, I was in lovely Moyer attending my son's practice after I had taken him to baseball. So I've had a nice baseball soccer doubleheader for the second day in a row. Plus, so he I've... plays hockey. What's that? Plus, your son plays hockey. Right. Well, I had a hockey practice at Moyer after baseball, you know, the, the equivalent of spring training going on. It's not like he's reporting. Like It's not like he's a pitcher, a catcher. He's not heading to Florida anytime soon. But there's uh, spring training that we do up in Sherwood Park. So he was up there. He was telling me all about his uh, his uh, recovery curls today to, to recover from his long toss yesterday. So well, he's got the lingo down. I don't know whether he's got any game yet, but he's got the lingo down for sure. I, I got to ask you, uh, so I had Dave Wanstead on. He was with that Cowboys team coached by Jimmy Johnson. He won the first of their three Super Bowls in four years before he went on to coach the Chicago Bears. The right. Cowboys of that era, Jack, did you love them or hate them? I liked them okay. I didn't love them the way I liked the Cowboys when I was growing up. I mean, when I was a little kid, uh, you know, I caught the tail end of the Roger Staubach Cowboys, and I enjoyed them. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not a Cowboys hater, but I'm also not a huge fan. They were kind of like a, a distant second behind uh, the Browns of, you know, Brian Sipe and Ozzie Newsom and Mike and Greg Pruitt and Dave Logan and Reggie Rucker, who, interestingly enough, you talk about how mangled Cleveland sports has been over the last several years. You know who hired the former Cleveland Browns wide receiver Reggie Rucker to be an analyst on their broadcast? Who? The Cleveland Indians. That, does, that doesn't make sense. The Cleveland sports landscape is. The Cleveland Indians, in all their infinite wisdom... <laughs> recognize that the recently retired and very popular Reggie Rucker, they decided he'd be a great baseball analyst. And uh, one of the things Reggie Rucker, this is this is a true story, you can look this up. One of the ingenious ideas Reggie Rucker, I think it was Ron Hassey, he was just having a terrible season behind the plate, one pass ball after another, and Reggie Rucker suggested going down to two outfielders putting a second catcher at the backstop. I cannot <laughs> possibly make this up, but that was his idea of a strategical ploy that Mike Ferraro and the rest of those god-awful early 80s Indians should do. Well, that makes pretty much no sense at all. I, yeah, I don't no, know. no. He, that, was his, that was his solution for the Indians' terrible pitching staff and, and weak defensive catching. 
It wasn't their infield. Couldn't hit more than 230. Guys like Mike Michelin. But, uh, no, he decided a second catcher was the way to go. Wow. I mean, th- that would be like uh, like giving you as It'd a coach. It'd be co- like nothing. It'd be like <laughs> nothing else in the history, man. Stupidest <laughs> idea I've ever heard. It still makes me upset talking about it. Because even when he mentioned it, I remember I was like seven or eight. And I, I, I was, look, I'm in the second, maybe third grade. And I thought it was Veronica Tassan. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting I'm getting heated because it well, still makes me upset. And it doesn't. It, it takes a lot to get you fired up, Jack. I've noticed. So yeah, no, that's true. I'm usually calm. You know, not, nothing ever, nothing ever seems to get <laughs> under my ever skin. bothers yeah. you. Reggie Rucker is a tribe analyst. You can look it up. I couldn't possibly dream of making that up. Oh, that's beautiful. Seven thirteen. Yeah, like, you know what it'd be like? It'd be like hiring Hugh Campbell to run the power play. <laughs> right. I, I'm glad you went way back in Eskimos history for the classic coach. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to relate it to our Edmontonian listening audience, those that are still left after we went on the tarantula tangent. Oh, don't worry. I got the. I only got 14 listeners, but they're loyal. Jack Michaels joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. Uh, you're going to be calling a game tomorrow. We got the Oilers and the Wild will be uh, just underway 24 hours from now. Back at practice uh, today, obviously no McDavid. Man, Jack, what a run. I mean, this is the second time this season the Oilers have had an eight-game stretch where they've been able to won, uh, win seven games. And, uh, you know, now even after beating San Jose, you hear some people saying, well, maybe, they're, maybe they are a better position to get out of that division than we thought even 15 or 20 games ago. Well, look, I, you know, I had a hunch early on that this was going to be a different year. I mean, uh, the home victories over St. Louis and Washington and, and Chicago, I mean, those were emphatic wins. Those weren't, you know, get out shot 45 to 20 and hang on for dear life and, and get kind of lucky with six or seven posts or something. Those were real victories. And I, I really felt like this team, you know, sure, there's going to be bumps in the roads. Uh, you know, they had a five-game losing streak. They'll probably lose a couple in a row at some point here in the second half of the season. But it's a good hockey club. And, you know, there's not many guys there other than Patrick Maroon having career years, but there's a good deal of balance. Even Connor McDavid, you know, hasn't necessarily lit it up since the 1st of December, but he's been steady as she goes. You know, a point here, two points there. You'll hold him in check for 40 minutes, and he'll come up with a couple of clutch plays in the third period. It's been a good third-period club, and it's been a team that's found a, a wide variety of ways to win. And I think when you've got that going for you, uh, you know, you're, you're no longer considered a fluke. You're no longer considered, oh, this, this isn't going to last. I mean, we're 50 games in now. Uh, we're beyond that point. And I, I think that's, you know, I, I think we've been beyond that point for the last 25 or 30 games. But if nothing else, the wins over Anaheim and San Jose – were reflective of a club that's, you know, passed yet another test on the road to playoff contender legitimacy. And 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 I mean that as a, as a club that, you know, is not going to – I don't think there are many easy outs in the NHL playoffs. Like, you know, you look at the team we're playing tomorrow night, the Minnesota Wild. I think last year, uh, the way they finished the year, they were kind of an easy out. But it doesn't happen often in the National Hockey League. You get to the postseason – and it's going to be tough to beat any playoff team four times. Uh, I think the Edmonton Oilers have served notice that that they're in that group, and if things fall the right way, uh, they might not just be a one-and-done type of playoff team this year. 
And, and as a final point, we should mention, looks like uh, Darcy Kemper in goal for the Wild tomorrow instead of Devin Dubnik. I mean, I understand if you voted right now, at least, I mean, right now Dubnik would be my Vesna winner with still 30 games to go. But I mean, I think for the Oilers, you gotta you got to look past that and just play the way you can play. Because if they can initiate and, and check to the extent that they usually do on the road and do that at home tomorrow... Uh, I mean, they got a chance. And even against Dubnik, they took both games to overtime against the Wild earlier this season. And on the second of back-to-backs. I mean, remember that. The Oilers were not exactly uh, fresh, rested, and ready to roll in either of those games against Minnesota. I think on the front end of the first, they were home to Anaheim, which is, you know, uh, you know, that was a tight-checking, physical type of affair. And then the second one, they had a strange Philadelphia-Minnesota road back-to-back. They got in very late. You know, it's a long flight, and they have to turn around and play the next day. And, and Cam Talbot, as he usually has done all year long, found a way to, to get a point out of the situation. So they're facing a real good hockey club tomorrow night. I mean, Bruce Boudreau uh, will continue with football analogies. I mean, he is the NHL equivalent of Marty Schottenheimer. He's won everywhere he's been. The only reason he doesn't get more credit for what he's done in this game is the fact he hasn't been beyond the conference final. In fact, he's only been to one period, but he's a guy that wins everywhere he goes. I mean, this Minnesota club, there's no one in the National Hockey League right now that had them at 32-11. and 11. Nobody. And, you know, but that's Bruce Boudreaux's record through 40 games every single year he coaches. I mean, it's, it's, it's no longer a flu. I mean, yeah, Washington had Ovechkin and Anaheim had Perry and Getzlaff. But they weren't doing that well when when Gabby got there. I mean, this guy is, in my mind, one of the one of the more underrated coaches. And all he needs is some postseason success to validate what he's done. So, I mean, Minnesota's got, I think, eight players or, or seven players with thirty plus points, and maybe eight with ten or more goals. They are a balanced team up and down the lineup, and without one of their best defensemen. Uh, they've still had it on lockdown, and now they're starting to find ways to score. I think they've averaged four goals a game the last month and a half of the season. So another real test for Edmonton before they go out on the road for three and four. Jack, I got a text from the Big L. He says, great show as usual. Always love to hear Jack Michaels. So there you go, buddy. Thanks for now coming on. one of us. <laughs> there's one of us out there, Reed. I knew if we scoured the area. And, you know, I mean, Edmonton Metro is probably, what, up to about a million, two and a half now? I knew we'd eventually find somebody. There we go. I'll see you at the rink, man. Thanks so much for your time. Sounds like a plan, pal. Take care. That is Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michaels checking in tonight inside sports on 630 Chet. I, I usually start one of his interviews with a, a with a goal call, but then when I, when I saw my buddy Jay having tarantulas called on him, I just thought that was a more crawling on him. I thought that was a more appropriate segue. <laughs> Did you watch the video, Warren? Did you find it? I don't think I could you watch know, it. Well, I, mean, I, I kind of skipped through it because <laughs> I, I don't like I'm not a big spider guy and close-ups of spiders I don't like. Yeah, I'm with you there. But uh, yeah, like he had his arm straight out and the one tarantula was upside down under his arm because they can climb on any surface, obviously. <sighs> He's insane. 
Well, yes, that's one word that could be used to describe it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, 720. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Whenever we do a scoreboard, it's brought to you by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310-GLASS today. No NHL games tonight. That CHL top prospects game in Quebec. Team Cherry leading Team Or 6-4 with about six minutes left. The uh, AHL All-Star festivities going on right now. Currently on the ice in Allentown, Pennsylvania, the Central Division leading the uh, Pacific Division 5-2. Of course, the uh, Bakersfield Condors play in the Pacific Division. Uh, they're doing you know the, the mini-game thing. They are 0-2 so far, so it doesn't look like they're uh, going to be able to get a win out of that tournament. Still ahead, uh, a little bit more from uh, the Wild perspective. Uh, as we'll uh, check in with former Oilers goaltender. He was uh, briefly an Oilers goaltender. Mike Greenlay is going to join us later on, Inside Sports. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Twenty-four inside sports on six thirty. Chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Text six thirty six thirty. This individual says not starting Devin Dubnik means the Wild are scared. They don't want Dubnik's confidence shaken. Oilers fans getting confident. This texter also says tarantulas are scary looking, but basically harmless. Now hold on. I take a little bit of issue with that friendly texter. Basically harmless. <laughs> so are you saying like they they are a little bit harmless? They can poison me with their bite, but only a little. Ah, that's a good text. Hey, uh, I was talking to Oilers uh, defenseman Chris Russell about some stuff today, including uh, how he uh, spent his All-Star break. Yeah, I didn't do much. I just I went home, um, drove a couple hours home, and then spent some time with friends and family and just um, got some rest. Did you watch the game? Uh, I didn't, know. No, I seen the highlights, though. It uh, looks like they had a good time, obviously, with that kind of skill in the you know, the hockey world. I think he's sending anyone in this league over there. They're going to have good, it's a good group of guys, and especially those kind of all-star type guys. Uh, they're the reason, uh, you know, our game is, is growing, so uh, I'm sure they had a great time. All right, you guys are coming out of the All-Star break, obviously on a really good streak, and it was almost a bit of a running joke how many games you guys had that were going to overtime. You were able to win the last three fairly decisively. What do you think allowed you to do that on those three road games? Um, I, thought, I thought we took advantage of some opportunities. We scored goals at, um, at, uh, at good times in the game. I mean, I wouldn't say you know those were blowout games, but at the same time, when we needed a goal, we seemed to find one. When we needed a big save or a block shot, it seemed to be one. Um, you know, I thought we played two really good team games. Um, especially our, you know, our forwards were, you know, back checking and they uh, they were really helping us deal defensively. And I think when we work as five man units in uh, all three zones, that's when we're most successful. And then you've seen Reggie with a big game from the back end get some points and um, get a few big goals. So I thought it was just timely scoring and guys stepping up at the different times that made it work. I've never seen a team do well in a season without a strong goaltender. You know, 51 games in, playing almost every night. What can you say about Cam? I mean, it's it's he's the main reason we're here. But I was saying that I think the the good teams have good goalies, and the reason we're a good team is because we got a great one, and he's been. Uh, He's been great every night. He battles. He comes to practice. He works hard. He challenges us as shooters. I think it makes our shooters better. 
because uh, you know he goes out there on a mission to work hard every day and get better and uh, you know it shows in his game and I think it's showing with our shooters now with the, the way we're scoring some goals. Did you know a lot about him before you were a teammate or even last year I mean playing in New York behind one of the best guys of uh, of this era and obviously a guy who got into the NHL a little later did you know a lot about Cam before becoming an Oiler this year? No I didn't I mean you know being in the league you know different players and I mean you look at the New York Rangers and they're very defensive team and they had a good goaltender and I know he had good numbers there but I think you know him stepping into a situation where you know he's the guy it was new for him and I don't think he took it lightly and um, I wasn't here last year with him but you know the work ethic he brings every day um, this year it's incredible I mean people are learning from it it's hard not to you know go out and work work your tail off when you got uh, your best player doing it each and every every day so it's uh, it's a credit to him and I think it helps our team well, that is one thing I've consistently heard about Cam Talbot even going back to last season is is that work ethic and that desire to get better and work on details and correct things that aren't working. I mean, you have to have that quality just to make the NHL, but but some guys are able to keep pushing and and separate and, uh, and Talbot's proven that that hard work is certainly paying off this year. He's a great story for sure. That was Oilers defenseman Chris Russell. Text here to 630-630. This person says, I would rather take a fork in the eye than touch a spider. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. coming back from break now are they coming are they coming with Def Leppard on June 2nd I believe they are when they they first announced the show I think it wasn't with Poison and Tesla but now I think Poison and Tesla uh, are coming which will be cool I've actually never seen Poison live had the opportunity to meet Brett Michaels uh, in Lloyd Minster and I foolishly uh, declined that up well I mean not because I didn't want to I was I was doing TV, and I was afraid I wouldn't get back in time to actually do the sports cast I had to do. But uh, they are they are coming to Edmonton. Yeah, that's good. Well, I should know. I have tickets. So I'll just quickly tell the tell the story, uh, Warren. We're uh, going to connect here with Mike Greenlay right away. So it was in October. So this was the time I was the sports director at the uh, TV and radio station in Lloydminster, Newcap. So I used to anchor the six o'clock sports cast. So one of the reporters. Brett Michaels was touring solo. He was playing the cooler in Lloydminster. And if you've ever been in the Lloydminster area, a uh, legendary establishment. The cooler with a K. So Brett Michaels was uh, doing an interview with my, with my reporter friend Stacy. So she goes, and she goes, I'm going to interview Brett Michaels. Why don't you come? And I was like, well, what time? And she's like, oh, it's 4.30. I was like, well, he's a rock star. He's probably going to be late. i got to be on air just after 6. I better not go. So she said, okay, uh, you know, you're lost. You should, you should come. I said, okay, I'll, how about this? I'll get my uh, Poison Greatest Hits CD, and can you take it and, and sign it and, and get him to sign it? So this was during the baseball playoffs. So I'm sitting at my desk about 5-something in the afternoon, and the phone rings, and let's go, sports, read here. Ha, read? Yes. Ha, read, this is Brett. How are you doing? I was like, oh, good, how are you? 
Good. Uh, we're just in the RV here, and uh, our satellite's not working too well. What's the score on the baseball game? And, of course, it was like the Atlanta Braves playing somebody because the Braves used to always be there. So I, I gave Brett Michaels baseball scores over the phone. And then he signed my CD, and he wrote, Hey, Reed, Sports Rock, Brett Michaels. So anyway, that's uh, now I'm going to get to see Brett Michaels in concert. Inside Sports on 630, Chet. Oilers in Minnesota tomorrow. We got Mike Greenley on the line. More, we're able to tee up Mike with the totally off sports topic we're having. So if you're just tuning in, my buddy Jay Onright with Fox Sports uh, had tarantulas crawl up his arms to help him pick the winner of the Super Bowl. Uh, Mike, you're on with, with Reed Wilkins. First of all, good to talk to you again. How's life, buddy? <laughs> uh, well, I don't have tarantulas on me. That's, uh, that's a fun positive. <laughs> uh, do you, are, are you, would, you, would you allow that to happen if it were for a, a stunt for TV or something like that, or are you just like a no insects on me, please? No, I, I'm not worried about uh, things like that too much, I, although I would have, like to have some assurances by the people handling them that uh, it wasn't going to, you know, kill me or something. <laughs> <laughs> if they get out of control, they're getting yeah. squashed, right? Like that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, been, there's been too many tarantula movies where they're really evil, but I, they're probably not. <laughs> well, somebody texted in, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, Mike, when you do a talk show. Uh, it's crazy in a good way, some of the things that come up. Because I just offhandedly said, oh, I just saw on Twitter my buddy had these tarantulas on him. Uh, so now people are texting in their tarantula knowledge, which apparently is quite more extensive in Edmonton than I thought. Uh, this texter says, it's been years since I talked about tarantulas, but if memory is my memory is correct, their bite is not poisonous, but black widows are. So there you go. That's what you got to worry about. There you go. Oh my goodness! Okay, so we we uh, we dealt with that. Uh, what a season for the Minnesota Wild, eh, man? Did you uh, maybe a stupid question to say? Did you see this coming? Because their record is is uh, approaching otherworldly. But did you just did you see a team at the top of the division? No, uh, not 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 as uh, fluidly as they've done it. Um, you know, there was a lot of uh, I guess there was there was a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say expectations, but there there's a lot of uh, you know positive feelings about what they did in the off season, what they uh, you know what what, uh, what they're moving into in terms of maturity of their players and so on and so forth. So uh, you know, I guess you never quite know when when things are going to really click, or you know, when you make a couple of when you make a couple of adjustments here and there. Sometimes those adjustments kind of just fizzle, and sometimes they just take off like a rocket and. You, know, you got guys like Grandland on the wing now has just been just incredible, and his his connection with uh, Zucker and then Nico Koivu in the middle has been tremendous. Uh, you know, the, the addition of Eric Stahl has been has been just uh, incredible in, in terms of giving us uh, strong strong guys up the middle and a guy who can contribute at different times. So there's just a lot of lot of positives that kind of stepped up at the right time. So. You know, now it's about just uh, continuing to try and stay healthy, and uh, and hopefully uh, you know continue the role here because it's been it's been a fun ride so far. Boost Brudro, uh, I mean, all the guy does is win, at least in the regular season. I guess he's got to you know wear some playoff disappointment. But with with him with him stepping in with the Wild, what what effect? What's his biggest effect on the team, been, Mike? I honestly think uh, he's just made these guys very accountable, and he's made them competitive. Um, those two things really are what stand out to me. When I say accountable, it's 
you know, he doesn't, uh, he uh, naturally, you know, coaches are smart enough to give their veteran players a longer rope than he would maybe, you know, a guy who's first, second year, you know, young type guy. Um, he'll give them a longer rope, but they still get a rope. There's some, you know, sometimes coaches don't even give their veteran players a rope. And so those guys are kind of carte blanche. They do what they want. They kind of, you know, they, there's no, there's no accountability. And so, I think what the, one of the great things that he's done is he's made those guys realize that, you know, you, you, you play in the top two lines you, or even the top three lines, you know, you got to get something done. And if you're up on the, one of the top two and you don't, then you're going to find yourself maybe after, you know, a little bit longer time than a young guy would, but maybe you might find yourself on the third line. You might find yourself on the fourth line. You know, those are the types of things that he's done. And he, and he hasn't made it uh, in terms of a penalizing effect. He's just said, listen, I know when you're going. I can see it. And when you are, you're going to play. When you're not, you're not. And then, and so, and the guys understand that. So now it's formed a competition for guys to play hard and, and show the depth in this lineup. So uh, accountability has been has been a huge thing. Uh, and the competition comes with that. That's the second part is that now that the guys know that there's they can control their destiny in terms of ice time, uh, because everyone knows that's really one of the only things you can take away from a player these days. Um, and you know he uh, he he makes them competitive in that way. So I think those are the things that really stood out to me about what Dubio has done. Mike, you were a pro goaltender. We all know about the importance of goaltending. When you when you look at the Oilers, Connor McDavid is leading the league in scoring. But a lot of Oilers fans I talk to and Rob Brown and I talk to after games, they would actually pick Cam Talbot as as the team MVP. It's an interesting debate to have. So I'm going to transition into your team. Can you possibly state David Dubnik's importance and what he's been able to accomplish this season? Well, yeah, he's really, I mean, last year wasn't a down year necessarily, but it was down in comparison to the year before when he came in and, you know, helped the Wild get into the playoffs by playing 39 straight games and having a heck of a second half. But uh, last year was kind of a you know up and down year, and then this year he really, you know, he just came out of the gate and he came out um, just being you know very aggressive about his game, you know, pulling all the elements of his of his training together, um, both mental and physical, and you know, and it's just it's it's been a it's been a good ride for him as well. I mean, uh, granted the players in front of him are playing well, and we play a pretty good structure system in front of him, um, but. You know he's been there. He's been there when the Wild needed him to, to be to be very good, um, and and the Wild are finding different ways to win. Sometimes it's not on him. Sometimes it is. So I think it's just been it's been a good uh, good relationship here um, between goaltender and and, and forwards or players, and, and they just want to keep that going as well. And you know, Dubnik's getting rewarded uh, with recognition now as as being a guy who's you know, a top goaltender. And it started two years ago, and it's continuing this year. Mike Greenlay joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. He's an analyst for the Minnesota Wild. The Wild play the Oilers tomorrow night. Mike, it's the third and final meeting of the season between these two teams. The two previous ones went to overtime. Koivu scored uh, in overtime in one game. Uh, the other one was a shootout where the Oilers tied it late, and then the Wild won in the shootout. Given that and just what you've been following for the Oilers this season, what do you expect tomorrow night here at Rogers Place? 
Well, I expect a little bit of rest. Uh, you know, bowl, you know, thing is, the entire, as we all know, the, the entire league's been off for a few days, but um, you know, there could be a little bit of uh, rest. It's not like one team's coming off a long break or anything like that. So, um, but the, these two teams are very good skating teams. So I think they'll probably get to their game fairly quickly in terms of speed, and that's the fun part about watching these two teams play. Uh, you know, I, at the beginning of the year, I felt the Oilers were going to be a contender, uh, and so you know, I. Um, I felt they would be, you know, a playoff team for sure, and and they're, you know, I think they're they're they're, uh, they're a team that you can't, you know, like like so many teams, you can't take them lightly. But uh, this will be a good test to, to start the road trip for the Wild. Uh, Edmonton obviously battling in their own right, so it'll be interesting to see how quickly both these teams get to their game. I think skating teams usually get there fairly quick because that's that's kind of what they do, and uh, it, it should be a fun game. I mean, it's been. It's been, uh, as you mentioned, a couple of pretty good matches so uh, so far this year. All right, Mike. Uh, before I let you go, I, I know we've talked about this before, but we we always enjoy your personal story. Uh, you played two NHL games, both with the Oilers. You were a longtime Cape Breton Oiler in the American Hockey League. And uh, is it not you were born in Brazil but raised in Alberta? How how did that happen? Yeah, born in uh, father was an engineer his whole life. Uh, civil, not choo choo, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> So he was working for him. Uh, actually, so, you know, hey, talk about transfers. There's a lot of them in Brazil, by the way. Um, at least I think there are. But, <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, born in Brazil, uh, lived a lot of places, uh, you know, lived in Mexico and Venezuela and Cleveland and Toronto, all before I was 10 years old. Then moved to Calgary and grew up in Calgary pretty much. So that's where I played all my youth hockey. And uh, from there, um you know, I played two years of midget, was drafted out of midget by the others. After that, I went to college for a couple of years, back to junior. So I bounced around a lot, but, um, you know, it was a fun run. It was, it was interesting, that's for sure. But that's kind of the uh, the, the, short, the short story of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you had great success in the minor. I mean, weren't you goalie of the year in the IHL a couple of times? Uh, we, we won the Turner Cup in 94. That was a fun year. Um so yeah, we had uh, you know had had, had some some uh, success that I like to look back on. But uh, yeah, you know what? I, I guess it's funny. I look back and and I and I'm always I always talk to some old goalies who are also either analysts or or just in some capacity around the NHL, and I say, why the heck weren't we smart enough to figure out how to play like they do now? <laughs> because you know, just just the, the maneuvering and, and getting around the mat is so much more fluid these days because of how they do it. And we never thought of, uh, we always told to get back up. So you, you make a save, if you have to go down, you're back up, then you move. Now, all the guys go down and make a save, and then they stay there, and they slide around. But, you know, I was thinking, that seems smart to me. <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't figure it out. So, well, the, oh well. The, the goal, wrong generation, maybe. The goaltending style, to me, is the biggest difference that I've seen since since the 80s to now. I mean, it's not even... No question. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned that. I had Dave Wanstead on the show earlier who used to coach in the NFL, won a Super Bowl when he was a coordinator with the Cowboys, and now he works for Fox Sports. You'll appreciate this, Mike, because he said, uh, everybody calls me an expert, yet when I was coaching, everybody was calling me an idiot. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it's all, it's all relative, right, depending on where you're, uh, where you're standing at that moment. So. Right on. Oh, well, going to be a good matchup tomorrow. A uh, couple close games between these two teams earlier this season. Mike, thanks for making time for us on 6:30. Chat. I'll see you at the rink. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Mike Greenlay checking in. He's the television analyst for the Minnesota Wild, and they are just having an incredible year. They lead 
the Central Division. In fact, they lead the Western Conference 32-11-5. They have 69 points in 48 games. By contrast, the Oilers, who are doing well, have 64-51. and 51. So still, uh, the Oilers are still five back of the Wild, and the Wild have three games in hand. All right, you can text 630-630. The open line is 780-496-0063. Quick timeout. It's 748. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. Oscar Clefbaum does not have a penalty minute this season. That is incredible. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you very much for tuning in. No NHL tonight. Darnell Nurse skated before the uh, rest of the team practiced today. McDavid not on the ice, getting back from the all-star festivities in Los Angeles where he won fastest skater. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. I guess later on this week, Warren, we'll have to make our guaranteed-to-be-correct predictions. Later on, hey? I don't have to make it today, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said later on this week. It's only Monday. Did you hear Tom Brady talking to a rally today before they uh, left? It's going to be tough. It's going to be the toughest one we've had all year. But we're excited about the opportunity. And we couldn't do it without you guys. So as coach tells us, put all that crap that you got to deal with in the drawer. Put it all away for one more week. Because we need you guys at your best, because we need to be at our best. So get your rest this week. Rest up. Hydrate. And get ready for Sunday because it'll be a hell of a game. All right, there's Patriots quarterback Tom Brady telling football fans to hydrate. I think you all know how that's going to be interpreted. We're going to need you, he says. You know, just once I'd like an athlete to, be, to just honestly say, uh, you know what, thanks for cheering for us and spending money on us, but uh, really doesn't matter how loud you guys cheer especially in a neutral site game like the Super Bowl. I'm Tom Brady, got a genius coach, so, you know, watch, but it doesn't really matter what you do. Your lucky blanket means nothing. I'm not thinking about that. We're all good. <laughs> and he's also, did he, did he just tell all the New England fans in the world, don't worry about anything else this week. Just focus on Super Bowl Sunday. Put everything else in your life in the drawer and only worry about being a Patriots fan this week. That's basically what he said. Uh, honey, are we going to pay the mortgage? No, Don Brady said we don't need to worry about it till after the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to get thrown out of the house. Don't, I, Tom Brady said don't worry about it. Put it in the drawer. Uh, you know what? That's going to that's gonna be my new saying. For, you know, if I, as you know, Warren, sometimes I deal with people who have their worry pants on when they call into the show. I'm just going to say, put it in the drawer. I think that's a great idea. Just put it in the drawer. Just put man. it in the drawer. Oh, the Oilers. What about the Oilers? Just put, put it in, it the, in drawer. the drawer. Ah, it was beautiful. All right. Uh, I, we had a good inter- interview on Friday with Jeff Perlman. He uh, wrote the book Gunslinger about Brett Favre that is now available. Give him a little plug there. He is working on a book about the USFL. 
That was a spring football league in the 80s that eventually failed. And uh, Perlman blames none other than Donald Trump for its failure in the 80s. He ruined the USFL with this greed. You know, the USFL was a spring football league between 83 and 85, and it was a very good idea. It had its flaws, but it was a very good idea. And Trump entered the league in 84. He bought the New Jersey team, the Generals, with uh, Herschel Walker on the team. And um, when he bought the team, he told everyone he loved the USFL. He's excited to be a part of the USFL. This is going to be great. Then he gets in the USFL, and he... uh, he immediately says, we need to move to fall. We need to challenge the NFL. Like, never said that before he got in the league. He was just happy to be in the league. Gets in, says, we need to move to fall. Basically starts, you know, pushing the other owners around, bullying people, saying he'll leave the league and take the New York franchise with him if he doesn't, if they don't move to fall. He's got a great TV deal waiting for them in the fall. It's a great TV deal. You're going to love it. It's great. We're going to dominate the fall. Um, you know, some of the owners fight him. He basically squashes them. He goes, he starts becoming an anonymous source in newspaper articles, you know, said one owner, it was him, just a bully thug. And, of course, they sued. He he led the lawsuit against the NFL. He insisted the lawsuit be in New York, which was the worst place to have it. He hired the attorney, Harvey Myerson, who was a disaster. Um, they didn't call any other owners to testify except him. He was horrible on the stand, and they end up dying. That is the story of Donald Trump in the USFL. Wow, that's... that's it, it. It's infuriating. You know what? It's infuriating because it's a complete parallel. Like, I understand why the Hillary Clinton campaign didn't use it. It's 30 years old, blah, blah, blah. It is a total parallel. Who he was then is who he is now. And it was all, And I didn't even mention, the reason he did it, factually, is because he wanted a New York franchise in the NFL. The Jets had just moved to New Jersey. The Giants were in New Jersey. He was going to have a stadium built in Manhattan, and the Generals would become the third New York, New Jersey team. And that was it. He didn't care what happened in the U.S. So he never cared what happened in the U.S. about. It was a way to get into the NFL. Loved having Jeff Perlman on the show. And the working title for that book, due in 2018, is called The Useless, because that's what the bigwigs at the NFL head office used to call the USFL, The Useless. We'll see if that actually is the title. The full interview with Jeff, of course, on the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. And don't forget, you can sign up for the uh, Inside Sports podcast, and then you also get all the additions of Overtime Open Line as well. I want to thank Warren Mulvey, our studio producer this evening. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. Thanks a lot to our guests. You heard from Mike Greenlay. Jack Michaels, Dave Wanstead, Oilers defenseman Chris Russell as well. Again, that Eskimos note today, Brandon Thompson, defensive back, extended through 2018. Oh, and I forgot to mention this uh, note from hockey. It looks like the Barclays Center, that relatively new building in Brooklyn, kicking out the New York Islanders after a couple of seasons there. They have the third worst attendance in the NHL. That's a ongoing story that we'll keep watching. Oilers and Wild tomorrow on Ched. The face-off show is at 5.30. The game will start at 7. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Love doing the show. Love talking to you guys. Talk to you soon. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.